Praise God. Am I on? It's always a, a blessing and a privilege to be here in Hillside. I know that the Lord is doing mighty work in this local church, and I have come to share with you some of the great things the Lord has been doing in our own life. And I want to thank you for being a part of us and being a partner with us to do what God has called us to do in this part of uh, Africa. Nigeria, where I am, precisely, is about uh, 155 million people. And it's the largest black nation in the world. There is no other black nation that is as large as Nigeria. And it's uh, the fifth uh, largest oil supplying nation to the United States. So we are very strategically positioned uh, in terms of wealth, but the problem we have is corrupt leadership, and which is um, the bane of uh, our problem. And uh, this morning I have come precisely to appreciate you for standing with us, for helping us, for supporting us. Whatever you've done in Nigeria, I believe the Lord is going to replenish in abundance here in this local church and there in your personal life and businesses because the Lord is faithful. Whenever he calls, he makes provision. And I thank you for being with us. The work in Nigeria is uh, doing very well. The hospital is growing. We see uh, over 150 patients every day. And uh, that we have over seven full-time medical doctors, 36 full-time RN, you know, registered nurses who work with us and other uh, workers that work there. So the hospital is uh, quite an instrument of evangelism. You know, you can hardly get Muslims to come to a church or to come to a crusade or to come to a revival meeting. But, you know, when they get sick they will come to the hospital. And when they are in the hospital, they are in our territory. So we will have no, we have no business, nothing else than to present the gospel to them. And the Lord has used that avenue to reach a lot of Muslims and bring them to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to continue to support the work of the hospital. We also are involved in training leadership in Nigeria. We have a Bible college West Africa Advanced School of Theology, where we train pastors, uh, Christian leaders, and people who go out there to plant churches and uh, uh, lead churches and uh, help in the leadership of the church in Nigeria. A recent graduation we had, we graduated over 66 uh, people. Our college is not um, like a school you go to when you finish high school. Ours is a place where you go when you are called to the ministry. It's a four-year college. You come there, sent by your local church, supported by your local church, and when you graduate, you go out there and you plant another church. For about 25 years, we have existed and worked in Nigeria. We have planted over 1,200 churches. And uh, we have a great Uh, men and women of God working in different churches that have been planted. And these are all over West Africa, like Ghana, Cameroon, 
Niger Republic, Zambia, these are the areas where our people are working. And we are very proud of the kind of people the Lord has given us, and we are producing and sending out to these local villages and places where they are working. We conduct conferences every year where we bring these pastors back to our institution again and continue to you know, equip them and re-equip them to encourage them in the work. Last conference we had, we had over 2,000 pastors that came from all over West Africa. And it was an awesome conference, and we really enjoyed what the Lord did in that conference. We also have our local church, the Father's House, like Pastor Bruce Bread this morning. It's a very fast-growing church in Nigeria, and the Lord is giving us favor to be able to reach a lot of people through the work of our local church. And uh, we thank God for your support. We thank God for your encouragement and for your prayers, because there is no way we can do what we're doing in Nigeria without uh, such a solid support from you, especially in the area of prayer, that makes whatever we do there to go forward. And we are also involved in medical outreaches. We take we are not just a hospital that stay in the city and see people. We take our equipment, medical personnel, and take our people to the villages where the people are. If we locate a particular village where we go, we stay there for about a week, making sure that every person in that village who needs or needs uh, medical treatment or attention will be treated free, given drugs free, given consultation, and if the situation is that we cannot take care of in the village, we take our ambulance and transport that person to our city a hospital where the person's uh, case will be taken care of. So we have done that to, for many villages, many years. We do it every year, one big medical outreach, and we do other small outreaches in very, uh, other villages in a very uh, small form. So the Lord is giving us favor through these medical outreaches. Sometimes you cannot reach a particular village unless you go in there with something in hand to present. And what we have to present is medicine. We have doctors and nurses that came from United, come from the United States to assist and go with us into these villages. Uh, we have had people that come from here. Amy came some time ago and assisted in the uh, outreach we had in Omoso, and that was about two years ago, and it was an outstanding outreach. The Lord used us to reach many many places in that place, and uh, Pastor Bruce was there as well. It was quite an, uh, uh, an awesome thing. We have, in every village we go to, to have an outreach. You know, many times you take some things for granted in this country. You take water for granted, but water is not, it's not everywhere. In some places where you get water, it's not clean enough to drink. So one part of our ministry is to go to these villages and dig well and give them clean water to drink. You know, so that means a lot. It may not mean a lot to you here, but those who live in the third world countries, clean water is not something you take for granted. And part of our ministry is to give them clean water wells in different villages where we have opportunity to go to minister. When we go to that particular village, we give them water. We, give them a, we present a crusade, presenting Jesus Christ to the people. And then we plant a local church for them. See, it is a, a whole ministry where you give them what they need in the physical, give them what they need in the 
spiritual, and you also give them a continual spiritual help, which is the local church that will continue to serve in that place. We are doing this that I have just said now because we have churches like you that stand behind us and with us. With that partnership like what we have with this local church, it would be impossible to do anything we have done in the past and what we are doing even now. So I want to encourage you to continue to sow uh, generously to this local church because whatever you give here, the church actually gives us uh, support every month that keeps us going. And I want to thank you. On behalf of my people in Nigeria, on behalf of our leadership, I bring you their greetings and I bring you their thankfulness and thank you for supporting us. And hopefully, by next time I come, we'll bring more pictures and something that we could show you that will even make more sense to what I'm talking about. Thank you very much. Amen. I believe some of you that are here in this local church or you have come from other churches, you have received the word from God. I believe in prophecy. I believe in the word of God, which is the greatest prophecy that we have ever received. And I believe every child of God, one way or the other, has received the word from God. And when you receive such word, it becomes your word. You hold on to that word. Because the Bible tells us that his word will never return to him void. Whenever a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge, or any kind of word that the Lord gives to you, it becomes your weapon. It becomes your agreement with God. And I just want to share a little on that area this morning. I want you to open to your Bible, or with your Bible, open there at the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. It says, Now it came to pass on a certain, certain day, that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And the Bible said, And they launched forth. And they launched forth. He went into a ship with his disciples. And that ship, to my understanding this morning, represents your life, your destination, the cause of your life. So if you were to write anything as my topic this morning, I want you to write something and say, the topic of my message is, hold on to your word. Hold on to your word. Jesus went into a ship with his disciples. And I just want you to look at that ship as your own life, your destination, the cause of your life. You know, one songwriter put it this way. 
He says that the soul of man is like a sheep that sails on the sea of time. When Jesus entered the ship, something happened. He changed the course. He changed the course. He gave them a purpose and a destination. And I want to know this morning, is there anybody here that remembers when Jesus got into your ship? Is there anybody here that remembers when Jesus actually got into your ship? Is there anybody here that remembers when he changed your course? You were lost. You were drifting. You were bound. You were on your way to a devil's hell. But one day, you found your way to an old-fashioned altar. And Captain Jesus came on board. He came on board. And he washed you with his blood. Delivered you, put his spirit in you. His anointing on you. He gave you a purpose and he gave you a destination. And as soon as Jesus entered the ship of the disciples... He gave them a word. That word was prophetic. That word carried the spirit of destiny in it. The word he gave them. That word said, you are going somewhere. That was the word he gave them. You are going somewhere. Has anybody got a word that you are going somewhere? Anybody here? Has anybody got a word that has pointed you toward something greater than what you have? Has anybody got a word that stays your faith? A word that wakes you up in the morning. Do you have such word? A word that carries you through the day. That was the kind of word he gave them. I want you to tell your neighbor, I've got a word. They got a word of destiny that assured them of his presence with them. The word that Jesus gave to his disciples was the word of destiny that assured the disciples of his presence. With them. Somebody said, I heard a word, but I couldn't find God in it. I'm going to tell you something this morning. When God gives you a word, it carries his presence. When God gives you a word, his word carries his presence. I didn't say it will always make you happy. And I didn't say it will always make you feel good. But I said it will always carry his presence. 
And Moses said, If your presence go not with us, then do not take us up from this place. His presence and his word go together. I don't care how religious it sounds or how appealing it is to your flesh this morning or your desires. The first thing you better ask yourself when there is a word that God gives you or somebody gives you is this. Does it carry his presence? Does that word carry his presence? Because the word that carries his presence has the power to carry you and keep you. So the disciples got a word of purpose that assured them of their destination. That word made them unsinkable. The word he gave them made them unsinkable. Because he told them that we are going somewhere. I want you to tell your neighbor, hold on to your word. Listen, I didn't say that the word guarantees that you will have an easy life. The word does not guarantee that you will have an easy life. I didn't say that the word will guarantee that you will never have to go through a storm. Even though he gives you a word and tells you that you are going somewhere, does not mean that you will not go through a storm. I said, the word will carry you through the storm. The word will hold you up. The word will make you unsinkable. Pastor Bruce knows that I wouldn't be here today if hadn't been for the word of the Lord. I wouldn't be standing before you talking this morning if it hadn't been for the word of the Lord. The enemy would have killed me, but I had a word. Death would have sunk me, but I had a word. Family turmoil and strife would have capsized my vessel. But I had a word. Attacks on my marriage and my character would have drowned me in the sea of despair. But I had a word. Depression, fear, and anxiety would have swallowed me up. But I had a word. I am telling you this morning, Hold on to your word. Whatever God has said to you, hold on to it. Don't let go of the word of God. Your word makes you fireproof. The word God gives you makes you fireproof. It's your weapon of protection. With it, you are unsinkable. The devil cannot succeed. Whatever he's planning to do. Your word makes you invincible. Your word makes you unsinkable. That is the word that God has given to you. You know, Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, 
they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. That is the word of God. Hold on to your word. The devil says, you are going to die. The doctor's report says, incurable, terminal, no hope. But the word of God says, I shall not die but live. And declare the works of the Lord. The word of God says, but he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and the word of God added and said, and with his stripes we are healed. The devil says, your ministry is over. You might as well throw in the towel. But the word of God says, behold, I will do a new thing. He said he will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? The devil says, you will never see those children saved. You are just wasting your time praying for them. They are never going to serve the Lord. But that is not what the word of God says. The word of God says, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be the peace of thy children. That is the word of the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. I, whose report are you going to believe? I will believe the word. So here in this text, the disciples of Jesus were selling in the power of their word. Then as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And there came down a storm. Storm. What is storm? A whirlwind. A tempestuous wind. A violent wind. Came and attacked them violently. Literally, it was as though they had a tsunami on them. And this storm violently attacked them to bring them down. It was launched against them to destroy them to sink them, to detour them. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like there is a tsunami on your back? <laughs> like the devil has singled you out and is coming after you. Like he's concentrating extra measures, extra opposition, extra weapons on you. I felt that way before. Have you ever felt, felt like that? Have you ever felt like the devil has called off all the little ends and has sent out the big dogs after you? That was what happened. If you have ever felt that way, if the answer is yes, then you ought to be shouting and praising God right now. Because the devil wouldn't be concentrating so much of his energy and his resources on you if you are, weren't a threat to him. The reason why the devil comes after you is when you are a pure threat to him. The devil heard the word that was given to you. 
The devil knows your destiny. He knows you are on your way to something. He knows you are headed to a destiny. That's what keeps him fighting you. And that is what keeps me moving. I know I am on my way to something. I'm not going through this storm for nothing. I'm not going through this hell for nothing. I'm not walking through this valley of the shadow of death for nothing. I'm going through it because I am going somewhere. So let me tell you this morning, the fight you are going through, the problem you are going through, the issue that you are in right now is not about who you are today or where you are today. The fight is about the word that God gave you. The fight is about your destiny. The fight is about where you are going and what you are going to get there or what you are going to get ready to do. But let me tell you, the greatest storm of your life means you are closer to your destiny than ever before. It means that you are on the edge of your greatest breakthrough of your life. When the storm gets tougher, I want to tell you that help is on the way. Joseph's brothers wanted him dead. Not just because he was their father's favorite. No. But because he had a dream. That was why they hated him. He had a world. He had a destiny. Joseph had a future. And that was the reason why everything broke loose on him. As long as you, you have nothing and don't want nothing and have no dreams, no visions, no passion, no aspirations to go anywhere or do anything, then you have a lot of friends because you have nothing and you are living for nothing. But as soon as you start dreaming of a better tomorrow, and you start prophesying your destiny, and that destiny is bigger than your friends can see, and it's bigger than they can handle, they will try to discourage you. They will try to talk you out of your destiny. But if you won't sell out, and you won't forfeit your dreams and settle back into a life of mediocrity and religious expectations, then you become a threat to them. And they will in turn turn on you and try to destroy you. That means you need to examine your friendship circle. Everybody can go where God is taking you. Everybody cannot go where God is taking you. You need friends that believe in you and what God is doing in you. People are either wind on your sails or weights around your neck. You have to understand that not everybody wants you to get to where God wants you to go. These disciples in this boat... We are moving in their world. Selling in the spirit of destiny. 
and purpose. And they were attacked. Violently by a violent wind. Believe me, if you, are, if you ever set out to do anything for God, if you ever set out to do anything for God, and if you ever get bold enough to launch into your word and what God has told you to do, then you are going to be attacked. You are going to be attacked. And you are going to be attacked physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally. There will be attacks against your marriage. Attacks against your ministry. That is the devil's commission against you. Why? Because you are dangerous. Why is he attacking you? Because you are dangerous. You are dangerous to the kingdom of hell. You are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And that's why they are attacking you. You are a threat to hell. Your dreams make you dangerous. Your word makes you dangerous. I can say that to you today because I understand that now. And I have come to grips with that now in my life. And I realize that my word makes me a target for the enemy. I realize my, my, the word God gave me and my dream make me a target for the enemy. And puts me in his line of fire. But here is the part that makes it really hard. And I mean hard. It makes it really hard even for the most spiritual to understand. It makes it very hard for even the, for the most anointed and most mature believer to understand. This part we see in verse 23 of Luke chapter 8. He says that Jesus fell asleep. That's where it becomes very hard for anyone to understand. Jesus fell asleep. Have you ever felt like God did this great thing in your life? Stayed you up. Gave you this great powerful world of destiny. And then he just went to sleep and forgot about you. Have you felt that? And he just laid there and let the devil beat up on you. He will let, let people lie on you. Let people cheat on you. And let people persecute you and criticize you. Some will even steal from you, ignore you, overlook you, and even underestimate you. I hope I'm talking to someone real in this house. I'm trying to talk to some real people in this house this morning. I want to talk to some people that will just tell the truth. Just because you are called doesn't mean you won't ever have any troubles. Just because you are anointed doesn't mean you won't ever be lied on by people. It doesn't mean that God is going to wrap you up in curtain so you won't feel any hard things. So that you won't get hurt. In fact, the more anointed you are 
And the more destiny you embrace, the more focused you become on fulfilling your purpose, the greater threat you are to hell. And the greater the attacks against you. We know the story of Joseph. Joseph was anointed. Joseph was favored by God. And repeatedly the Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph. You read that in the Bible? Repeatedly, not once, not, not one, not twice, more and more the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Well, if the Lord was with Joseph, why didn't God stop his brothers from stripping him out of his coat and throwing him into a pit? Why didn't God stop Potiphar's lost-filled wife from lying on Joseph and destroying his character and his integrity in the eyes of Potiphar and his house? Why didn't God let the butler, why did God let the butler forget Joseph for two full long years? After Joseph had interpreted his dream and it came to pass. Was God on vacation? Was he asleep? No. What was going on was all part of making Joseph the kind of man that God could trust with the dream he gave him. It's all part of the process to prepare him to become the kind of man that God will expect to live the dream he gave him. From the day God gave Joseph the dream, the dream never changed. But the dreamer went through a process. A process of stripping, a process of refining to bring him into the place that he was qualified to live out that dream. Tell your neighbor, I'm in a process. <laughs> yes. I'm in a process. I know this morning that God never sleeps. Because the Bible tells me in the book of Psalms 121 verse 4, he said, Behold, he that keepeth Israel neither slumber nor sleeps. So he doesn't sleep. My brother and my sister, God is not asleep over your situation. He's wide awake. In fact, he watches over you, even in the situation you're going through right now. I know God never sleeps. But I promise you, there will be times in your life when it feels like God is in such a deep slumber that nothing can wake him. <laughs> there will be times like that in your life. I have gone through that myself. I just want you to tell your neighbor again, it's just part of the process. Some of you I'm talking to right now have felt like God just went to sleep. Some of you felt like he went to sleep and let the devil have his way with you. And to tell you the truth, it looks to you like, and feels to you like, you are further away from your word 
than ever before. No matter how you feel, the God we worship never sleeps nor slumbers. But I came to tell you this morning that God is not asleep. That's what I came to tell you. God is not asleep. I came to tell you this morning that he has not forgotten you. His eyes are on the sparrow. And his eyes are on you every minute of the day. He has been watching you all through the process. He has been watching over you all through the process. He's been in charge of the temperature. In fact, he's been controlling the speed of the wheel. He knows what is going on. I came to tell you this morning that he saw that storm coming before it ever got to you. He saw it. And he filtered that storm through his hands of love. And after filtering it, 